you have your Bibles tonight, turn to Romans chapter number 14. We are continuing our study on, on as believers, what our da- daily behavior should look like, okay? And um, we are going to make it through the whole chapter of Romans 14, I think. And uh, so let's try to get started. Today we're going to talk about the issue of Christian liberty versus license. See, that's always uh, confronting you and I as believers in the church who wish to please the Lord. What can a believer do and not do socially and personally? What are the do's and what are the don'ts when it comes to Christian things? Now, now we're not talking about black and white issues here, okay? We're not talking about, not talking about the, the, the ten, ten Commandments. We're not talking about uh, black and white issues that Scripture are, 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 are very, very clear about. We're talking about some gray issues, okay? And you know what, guys? As I live longer, I realize there's a lot of gray issues out there. There's a lot of issues that the Bible may not speak specifically to, so that's when you and I have to use wisdom. That's when we have to seek counsel. That's when we need to ask the Holy Spirit for direction. Basically, here's the takeaway. I could sum up Romans 14 in probably one statement. Let the Holy Spirit be your God, okay? Because if the Holy Spirit tells you okay, Guess what? It's okay. Okay? If the Holy Spirit tells you it's not okay, don't come ask your pastor. Hey, how many How many remember, um, my kids do this to me sometimes, okay? Well, they don't do it anymore, okay? But how many, when, uh, when, you, when one of your kids went to one of you as parents and you gave them an answer they didn't like, they tried going to the other? Was that just the Seneca boys that did that? No, 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 okay? Um... Pretty much our boys do that now. Sometimes they come to me because I'm more apt to say yes because, Tobin, I don't get all the facts, okay? So, look, you're a young dad. I want to help you here, okay? That cute little girl of yours, she probably gets you wrapped up pretty tight, okay? So get the details, okay? Get Yeah, it's easy to shake it off. Uh Uh, Get the details, okay? As a dad, I don't get the details. Now, my wife, she is uh, an investigative reporter, okay? She wants to know the who, the what, the when, the how, the why. She wants to know the whole story story. I'm just like, yeah, where are you going? You're going to be back? Okay. Yeah, you're good. Okay. I, I have learned to ask a few more questions because that gets me in trouble. Because John and my wife will go, hey, where's Hayden? I'll say, who? She'll say, Hayden, yeah, your son, 17-year-old. Oh, yeah, yeah, he went, uh, he went, he went so-and-so. What, what is he doing? I said, I don't know. He's, when's he going to be back? Later. Okay. So, again, I, um, you know, so, so, again, guys, um, let the Holy Spirit be your God, but we're going to kind of give you some guidelines, and that's what Romans chapter number 14 is all about. It's about Christian liberty versus license, the do's and don'ts for us as believers. So let's read the text, and then we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to be our God and to help us in this all-important era. Romans chapter number 14, let's read it, uh, beginning with verse number 1. The King James says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful dis- disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he hath not regarded it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks, 
and he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, and he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his own brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with the meat, now walkest thou not charitably? Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that is in these things, serveth Christ, is acceptable to God, and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things where, where with one may edify another. For meat destroys not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he allows. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he hath eaten not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Let's pray today. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that through this teaching we would be encouraged, we would be edified, we'd be instructed. And Holy Spirit, I just ask you to be our guide, Lord. Surely there are questions that many of us might have today, Lord, and I just pray that this teaching would help maybe answer some of those questions. And for areas we may still have questions, Lord, I thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit is going to teach us and will instruct us in all righteousness, as the Word says he will. Lord, I just ask for your anointing over this teaching. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. The do's and don'ts, okay? Again, guys, um, it's, it's really not a laundry list of do's and don'ts because that's not what the Christian life is all about. You know what? It's about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, look, because of our faith, does it affect your behavior? It better. Okay? If, if what you believe doesn't affect, affect how you live, you need to believe some new things. Okay? But, but there are some things that we need to use as, as guidance for, for maybe things that, that, that maybe John thinks is okay and I think they're not okay. Or, or for things that we disagree on that the Word of God is not crystal clear on. So let's look at some of those things. Verses 1 and 2. The first thing that we're reminded to do is we're supposed to receive our weaker brothers. What does that mean? It means we are the family of God, okay? And as we grow as a church, okay, we're going to have some folks that are come, that are new in the faith, okay? And they're not going to be as learned as Pastor Randy. They're not going to have doctrine down like I do. They may not even know as much as you do, John, but guess what? We're supposed to receive them as brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know what? Before church today, Brittany came over with that new baby. Oh, is that a cute little baby. Have you seen that big head of hair? I mean, my goodness, that little deal has got some hair, okay? 
And, and the amazing thing about that baby is she just lays there. Okay? Every now and then she lets out a yelp, and that is at a that is at a pretty high pitch, okay? I'm so glad I had boys because they don't reach those pitches, okay? But little girls get a certain pitch, okay? But here's the thing. Um, she just lays there, doesn't do much else, okay? But guess what? We don't expect much else, do we? You know what? With new people that come to faith, we shouldn't expect much else. We should expect that, guess what? There was a time we were young in the faith. There was a time I'm not as, I, I, I'm, I wasn't as spiritual as I am today. There was a time that, that I would still let my emotions get, 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 get uh, overtake me. I would still let anger uh, rule in my life. I would still do things that I wouldn't think of doing today. Why? Because I was young in the faith. And I'm so glad that there were people that came alongside me and received me and realized that God's still working on me just like he's still working on them. Amen? So I just want to challenge us, guys. The first thing that we got to do as we continue to grow as a, as a church and as we continue to make a difference in our community is we need to receive each and every person that comes to faith. The word receive means to welcome, to accept, to take to oneself. However, there is a significant fact about the word that must also be noted. It means to receive a weak person just as God graciously receives men. Aren't you glad that the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the Lord shall be saved? God doesn't make stipulations. God doesn't say you have to do this, this, and this. God just simply says, you have to be a whosoever and express your faith in my son Jesus. That's all he says. That's the only prerequisite. So if God graciously receives men, you and I should as well. You know, um, unless you've been under the rock, a rock, the last month or so, you've been hearing a whole lot about a, a very famous musician named Kanye West who's come to faith. Okay? You want to know what my opinion on that is? I'm excited. Okay? I'm excited because I believe God's done something in that boy's life. Okay? Uh, if, if you watch little snips of what got, what's going on at those concerts, something's different. Okay? Now, look, one year from now, what's going to happen? I don't know. Guess what? One year from now, I don't know what's going to be going on with the Senators. I don't know what's going to be going on with the Plus Laws, with the Joneses. But I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God with Kanye as well. And if he's preaching Jesus, which he is, guess what? That's good enough for me. Last time I checked, we're all on the same team. Okay? There is somebody who's going to be accusing him. It ought not be the church. Okay? Because what? The devil is called the accuser of the brethren. There's going to be somebody, there's going to be enough media throwing, throwing shade at him or throwing, throwing junk at him and saying he's just trying to promote an album. You know what, guys? I think he's preaching Jesus. So there's my opinion, okay? By the way, you might have noticed I hadn't, I hadn't weighed in on Facebook. That ain't where I put my opinions. <laughs> Some of you could take notes from that, okay? Some of you watching by Facebook need to, need to stop posting so much, okay? By the way, here's just a little takeaway. Pray before you post. Pray before you post. Pray before you text. You ever, you ever wanted to send a text to somebody, John, and went, eh, I probably shouldn't. Guess what? Don't. Okay? Don't. Erase it. Erase it. Okay? It'll save you a whole lot of trouble. Okay? Some of you are like, man, I wish I'd heard that yesterday. Yeah, I wish you had too. Okay? But guess what, guys? We should receive our weaker brothers. We should receive people like God has received them. To take a weak person to oneself just as God has graciously taken you unto himself. We as believers are to receive one another. Note two instructions about receiving a weaker brother. Number one, 
The weak brother is to be received without criticism and argument over his weaknesses. There is to be no doubt and no disputing in receiving him. He is to be received with open arms just as God receives all men. Consider what Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9 and 22. To the weak I became weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Amen? And then there are differences between Christians as how they should live. About what is and what is not allowed by God. For example... One Christian believes he can eat anything, whereby other Christians believe he must be a vegetarian. The Roman church was apparently dealing with this very problem. The Jews from their earliest history had a long list of laws concerning what they could eat and what they couldn't eat. So there was probably some division in the church between the Jewish and the Gentile believers about just how closely these laws should be observed, if indeed at all. The point is this, that that it's not about the rules, it's about your faith. Okay, it's about receiving one another. The scripture is applicable to all the rules, scruples, taboos, and restrictions of behavior which some believers and churches say should regulate our lives. However, having said this, it is absolutely critical to note two important facts. This passage is not dealing with clear commandments of scripture. Okay? We're not talking about adultery. That's absolutely wrong. We're not talking about lying or stealing or cheating. Absolutely wrong. Those are not gray areas, okay? We're talking about matters of conscience. We're talking about where me and Pastor Randy maybe disagree about something. Guess what, guys? You can disagree without being disagreeable. We have lost that fine art in our country, huh? You know, you watch the the circus that's going on in Washington right now, okay? We have forgotten how to disagree without being disagreeable, okay? Look, guys, I can disagree with you without getting upset, without taking all my toys and going home. But guess what? I used to not be able to do that. Did you know that's a sign of maturity? It's a sign of maturity to be able to disagree without becoming disagreeable. You and I as Christians need to be able to learn that, okay? But again, this scripture, Romans 14, is not talking about black and white sin issues. Those are crystal clear. It's talking about matters of conscience, okay? Concerning that, John 14, 21 said this, He that hath my commandments and keeps him, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. John 15, Jesus continues, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. You are my friends if you do what I command you to do. So again, guys, all Romans 14, the context of it is not black and white sin issues. It's talking about matters of conscience. Um... So, let's look at a little uh, a little deeper study right here about Christian liberty. Both the weak Christian and the strong Christian believer think the other person is weak. This is important to see, for both are subject to criticizing and condemning the other. Paul faced the issue of Christian liberty very often. Therefore, he is an excellent example to consider in discussing this issue. Paul was willing to become all things to all men when principle was not at stake. When principle was at stake, he would concede nothing. You see, um, when rules and observance are made the means of salvation, they become a fatal hearsay. And in the case of Titus and the Galatians, this is what was happening. Rules and observances are contrary to God's method of saving men. Men are saved by faith. Amen? There 
is all the difference in the world between a man who approaches God by means of rules and regulations and a man who approaches God by means of Christ. The first man believed that he is saved by works. There, there, there it is, by the morality of keeping rules. Whereas the second man believes he is saved by Christ and Christ alone. The problem with the weak brother is that he is just a little bit mixed up as to how day-to-day cleanliness comes. He feels a tinge of conscience to observe some rule in order to keep his life clean. He feels that he keeps the favor of God by doing extra works. He is not matured to the point of understanding that even our day-to-day cleanliness or righteousness comes from Christ. Amen? Somebody put an article on Facebook that I just recently read, and it talked about how how sadly in the church we are raising modern-day pagans because we're teaching rules and regulations and we're not teaching faith in Jesus. And guys, there are some times that I found myself guilty of that because I tell Hayden or Hunter, these are the things you should do because you're a believer. No, no, no. How about I focus on them just loving God? Because if they love God, they'll do this, this, and this, okay? And so many times we want moral behavior out of our kids. We want them to do right. And there's nothing wrong with that. We want our kids to do the right. But we have to teach them the only way for them to do right is by putting their full faith and trust in Jesus. Because we don't want a a, a bunch of self-righteous, pious folks filling these pews. We want people who are cleansed in the righteousness that is found in the faith of Jesus Christ. Amen? What does Isaiah say about our righteous acts? They're what? Filthy rags. They're worthless, okay? But it's our faith in Jesus that makes us righteous. Now, when we are righteous, we're going to do right things. When we're in right standing with God, we're going to do right things. We're going to avoid doing the wrong things. But we can't put the cart in front of the horse. There are essentially two reasons why the strict or the judgmental man is weak in his faith. Number one, he still believes in the necessity of works. Deep down in his heart, he thinks there are some rules that i got to keep, okay? Guys, our righteousness comes in Christ and Christ alone. We need to become liberated from a belief in works and self-righteousness. Secondly, he does not know the meaning of Christian liberty. He seeks Christianity as a thing of rules and regulations, a bunch of do's and don'ts that governs our life with these rules and observances. In many cases, even the thought of Christian liberty frightens him. Now, having said this, it is of utmost importance that a believer keep in mind his duty as a Christian. These are commands and prohibit. There's commands and prohib- uh, things that are prohibited given in the Bible, and those are without question. Romans 14 has to do with Christian liberty. Remember, Christian liberty is not a license to sin. Okay? If you're looking for an excuse to do what you want to do, Romans 14 ain't for you. Okay? Because remember what I said? Ask the Holy Spirit, and if he tells you it's okay, it probably is. If he tells you it's not okay, don't seek a second opinion. All right. Verses 3 and 4. We're going to talk a little bit about judging others. We're encouraged to not judge or not despise. As the strong believer and the weak believer associate together, both are subject to serious sin. The believer who understands his liberty in Christ is subject to despising the weaker brother. Basically thinking, why didn't he see things the way I see things? Okay? Anybody ever did that? Don't lift your hand. Okay, we've all done that before. We're like, why you don't get this like I get this? Okay? But the, the weak believer, the believer who feels he must observe some extra rules, is subject to judging or criticizing the other believer. Hey, wait a second. Why does he do what I don't do? Okay? Again, guys, we're going to stand before 
God. Okay? Our, judge, our job is not to judge one another. We'll get to who we should be judging in a minute. Three reasons are given for not despising and judging number uh, one another. Three reasons that stand as a warning to all believers. Number one, God himself has received the strong believer. The believer who walks in the liberty of Christ and who does not live a strict life has been accepted by God, no matter what the more legalistic believer may think. There are some man-made religious rules which he does not observe, but he has put his full trust in Jesus, and he obeys the Word of God, and that should be good enough. Secondly, no one has the right to judge the Lord's servant. No, both believers belong to the Lord. Both are servants of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord alone has the right to judge them. We as believers should not be judging one another. And thirdly, God shall hold up that believer. There is no question about the matter. The believer will be held up, for God is able to make us stand. A great opportunity for me to share one of our key verses, our key scriptures here at the church, Philippians 1 and 6. Being confident of this very thing, he which begun a good work in you will perform it, will complete it, will finish it to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what, guys? He's still working on all of us. Amen? Pastor Randy, he's still working on you? Absolutely. He's still working on us, okay? If Bernie and Annalie were here, I'd say, are they still working on you? The answer is yes. While there's breath in our lungs, we haven't attained, we haven't arrived. God's still working on all of us. Amen? Verses 5 and 6. We are fully persuaded of right and wrong behavior. We should be fully persuaded, rather, of right and wrong behavior. The Jews had made a maze of the rules governing the Sabbath and the holy days, which is why Paul wrote in Galatians 4, 9-10, But now, after you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and times and years. Look, guys, Jesus has come to set us free from all that bondage, okay? The issue was apparently a hotly debated issue between the Jewish and the Gentile believers in the Roman church. But again, the issue is much broader than the observance of some holy days. It it involves all the man-made restrictions laid upon men by legalistic believers and churches. In saying this, however, it bears repeating. Scripture is not talking about the commandments found in the Bible. You'll notice I keep saying that. Why? Because so many times people use Romans 14 to do what they want to do. That's not the point. Okay? The point is, should we be following the Word of God or some man-made ideas? Okay? Now look, guys, we, we... We're in a church that there's not a lot of man-made legalistic ideas, okay? But there's churches that are full of them, okay? There are churches that there's a bunch of hoops you've got to jump through to be found righteous. Guys, those hoops are not scriptural. And that's what Romans 14 is trying to teach us. And the early church struggled in these areas because they had come out of this tradition and they thought that everybody needed to conform, okay? We need to conform to Jesus and nothing less, amen? This issue was a hotly debated subject. Another fact that needs to be mentioned is this as well. Paul is not suggesting that the Lord's day is not important. He's not suggesting that it's all right to ignore, neglect, or abuse the the Lord's day. Far from it. What he is attacking is an attitude that substitutes a Christian day for Christianity. The Lord's day is very important to God. 
It is the day set aside for you to worship, okay? For you to relax, for you to restore yourself. However, the believer is not to worship the day, but worship the Lord on all days. The point is this. Whatever we do as believers, we must be fully persuaded it is right and not wrong. Note a point here. The believer is to be fully persuaded in his own mind when dealing with questionable matters. The believer is to make the decision for himself. No one else is to decide for him. He must decide whether the matter is questionable, that it's not covered by some command in the Scripture. He must be honest and intelligent in deciding if the behavior is right. He must not violate his conscience at all. He must be absolutely sure to do no wrong. You know what I found? Pastor Randy, I'm sure you've experienced this. You've ever had somebody come to you and say, Pastor, what about this? Okay? Many times when you're asking what about something, you kind of already have an idea what the answer is. Remember what I said your God is? If the Holy Ghost says it's okay, it's okay. But so many times you're looking for a second opinion. Let's not become like that, okay? Let's let the, let's let the Word of God and the Spirit of God be our God. Amen? Verses 7 through 9, we're encouraged to watch what we do. There are two supreme reasons why the believer must watch what he or she does. Number one, the believer belongs to Christ in both life and death. See, we do not live for ourselves. He does not do as he will, follow his own desires, do his own thing, given the urges and passions. He does not die to himself, take his death into his own hands, or expect to handle death by himself. We need Christ. The believer does not live to himself. He lives for Christ. He is commanded both in this life and in the afterlife to surrender all to Christ. While he lives, he's the Lord. When he dies, he's the Lord's. The Lord's dominion does not extend only over this life, but in the next one as well. No matter where the believer is or what he is doing, he is the Lord's. Secondly, the believer has been purchased by the Lord's death and resurrection. Christ died bearing the sin of the believer upon himself so that the believer could be free from the coming judgment upon sin. The believer has faith in the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. The point is this. It was for this purpose that Christ died and rose again, that he might be, that he might be the Lord both of the living and the dead. He is the Lord of all believers, whether they are living in this earth or deceased and passed into heaven. The true believer has been purchased by the death and resurrection of Jesus. The believer does not belong to himself. You have been bought with a price. Amen? It's why Paul told the Galatians in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, let's talk about judgment for just a second. We need to leave that judgment up to God. Well, uh, Paul asked the question, why do you judge and criticize your brother? Why do you despise and look down upon your brother? The questions are forceful and disturbing because so, so many believers have been guilty of this in the past. Note the word brother. The person being criticized and judged is a brother. And what he is doing is coming from a sincere conviction that it is either God's will or acceptable to God. Why then do you set yourself up as God and criticize and judge him? Watch out, okay? Every one of us shall be judged by Christ, not by another. 
The Bible, the Bible says every knee shall bow to Christ, not to each other. Every tongue shall confess to God, not to each other. None of us are God. Therefore, we absolutely have no right to be judging and criticizing each other. Why do we keep doing it, though? <laughs> Why do we keep doing it? How many times have we found ourselves, look, guys, as much as I know better, I still find myself doing it. We meet somebody, and immediately we start sizing them up. John, you get a call for to pick somebody up, and you immediately start sizing them up. You start thinking, why do we do that? Look, guys, we need to we need to we need to ask the Lord to help us in that area. Amen. Because if there's anybody that we ought to judge, it should be the man in the mirror. It should be the guy that we know better than anybody we might pick up, better than anybody we might meet at Walmart. We need to judge ourselves. Amen. Keeping in mind, every one of us shall give an account of God or give an account of himself to God. We're not going to be called to give an account for others before God. You're not, I'm not going to give an account for my wife. She's not going to have to give an account for me, okay? You're not going to have to answer for your children. You're going to have to answer for you and you alone. We're not going to be called to give an account for anybody else. We're going to give an account for ourselves. Each one shall be held accountable for himself only. God is not going to be asking what we think or know about Stephen, Ruth, Paul, or Peter. Each one of us shall stand alone before God and give account for our own behavior. John 5 and 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto who? The Son. It's also why we are encouraged that... Um, in Romans 14 and 10, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, it's worth noting that that is different than the great white throne judgment. The judgment seat of Christ is the judgment for all believers. You and I will all stand before Jesus, the judgment seat of Christ, and give account for the way we lived our lives. The great white throne judgment that you read about in the 20th chapter or so of Revelation, 21st chapter, something like that, that's for unbelievers. Okay, the great white throne judgment, you want nothing to do with that one. Judgment seat of Christ, that's for all of us, okay? So we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, amen? Verses 13 through 15 tells us to judge one thing. If you are a stumbling block to your brother. You want to know what to judge? Don't judge your neighbor. Don't judge Jamie Howard. Judge yourself. Are you being a stumbling block to your brother? The word stumbling block means an obstacle placed in the way. The words occasion to fall means to trap, to snare, to do something that causes a person to stumble and fall. And how many times have we seen that happen in the church? We've seen it too many times, okay? Now, we can't go back and change the past, but from this day forward, let's judge ourselves and make sure we're not being a stumbling block to others. Amen? Every single believer is to be constantly looking at his own life, making sure he's not putting a stumbling block in his brother's path to God, not even a single obstacle or hindrance of every, any kind, that he is not doing a single thing that will cause his brother to stumble or fall into sin. If a believer is constantly looking at his own life and guarding against becoming a stumbling block, he does not have time to judge anybody else. Amen? If you're so focused on yourself, you don't have time to focus on others. And that's the takeaway right here. Focus on yourself. Note the words here. There is nothing unclean of itself. The immediate situation of the early church was dealing with eating certain foods and keeping special days. However, the fact is applicable to the questionable functions faced by every generation of believers. 
in its pure and natural form, all of God's creation is acceptable to God. It's what man does with that that makes him impure. For example, the grape, it's pure, but man makes it or takes it and makes an intoxicating drink and out of it damages the human body and leads to immoral behavior. Fellowship is pure, but man takes it, turns it into a loose party and atmosphere that leads to all kinds of sin. Okay? The point is this. Because of what man does with the things and activities of the earth, believers must watch the things which men make unclean and the things which other believers think are unclean. We must do nothing that would cause another to stumble. It's why Paul reiterated in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Secondly, we must walk in love toward our brothers. Amen? We are to do nothing that would grieve a brother. Imagine, we are not to cause grief for him, not to cause any kind of misery or disturbance. We're supposed to love our brothers. We are to do nothing that would destroy a brother. This is a forceful command. Destroy not him. The words mean to hurt, to wound, to the point of ruining. Such behavior is absolutely forbidden of the Christian believer. Guys, I remember a letter that I received probably 10, 12 years ago. It was a new couple that had started coming to one of my churches, and, and it was during a very difficult time of the church, okay? And, and we actually had a special business meeting. Okay? By the way, don't plan on ever having another one of those, okay? Because I've had one, and one is enough, okay? And, and the purpose of that meeting was to remove me as pastor. Those are fun, okay? I don't even think I'll let Chantel come. I just told her I'd give her the cliff notes, okay? Now, I made that, that meeting very difficult because I hadn't, I hadn't committed any sin. I hadn't stolen any money. I hadn't done any of those things that disqualify so many pastors. I just made some religious folks pretty upset. Okay? But I read in the Bible that Jesus used to do that, so I thought I was keeping good company. <laughs> but I remember we, we, we had this meeting, and of course it, 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 it went, and, and I was still the pastor after the meeting. And I had the worst kind of church split, Brother Randy. I had a church split, and everybody stayed. <laughs> I had a church split. Yeah, yeah, I can laugh about it now. I had a church split, and church was split right down the middle, but they all showed up the next Sunday. Huh, yeah, that made it fun. Okay? But I remember getting a letter. And it was from a new couple that had visited the church, and, and they were very kind with, hey, the church was nice, but with all the stuff going on, it just so grieved our spirits. I remember I read that from a board, and um, it didn't really change any of their behavior. And, and, and again, looking back on it, we were both wrong. I mean, trust me, I, I was a young, dumb pastor trying to prove myself, and, and they had some issues as well. But I just remember that the way we were acting in the church created a stumbling block for someone. And I wonder today how that family's doing. I wonder today what might have been in that wonderful community of desalments had we acted a little better toward one another, if we had loved God a little more, if we had if we had preferred one another a little more, if we had judged ourselves before we went to judging others. And, and I just wonder what might have been. The problem is we violated Scripture because we put a stumbling block before somebody. Let's learn from that. Amen? Let's learn not to put a stumbling block in front of anybody. Let's walk in love toward God and toward all others. Amen? The Bible tells us in Galatians 5.14, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And good old James in 2 and 8 says this, If you fulfill the royal law 
according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. Finally, we must remember that Christ died for our brother. That person we're wanting to judge, Christ died for. Amen? And we need to keep that in mind. Verses 16 and 17, we kind of have this uh, this little uh, conflict between Christian liberty and license. We should give no occasion for criticism. Look, guys, criticism is a cheap gift indeed. I've met a lot of people that seem to have the spiritual gift of criticism. Oh, it's spiritual, not very. Okay? There's a spirit behind it. It ain't the Holy Spirit. Okay? Look, guys, criticism is a cheap gift. Okay? We need to make sure that we don't criticize one another. By the way, you don't criticize what you love. Grandparents, think about them grandkids. You don't criticize them, do you? You love them. You're crazy about them. We need to be crazy about the children of God, too. Amen? Give no occasion for criticism. Christian liberty can be abused. A believer may be free to eat and drink some things and be free to go and participate in certain activities that, that, that you may think is right or wrong. But guys, we should not criticize one another. Amen? We need to make up our mind that we will not criticize. Why? Because the kingdom of God is the believer's concern, not pleasure. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What is righteousness? It's, it's doing the right things. It's being in right standing with God. What is peace? There's nothing like the peace of God that comes from right standing with God. And joy in the Holy Ghost, guys? Look, you're Pentecostal. I shouldn't have to explain that one, okay? There's a freedom that comes when you're close to the Lord. And when you're doing those things, there's no room for criticism. Also, the believer who puts the spiritual welfare of others before his own pleasures is pleasing to God. That's why Jesus uh, warned in Matthew 7 and 21, Not every one of you that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Matthew, Mark, or Mark 7 and 6 says, He answered and said unto them, Well say, Elijah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honored me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We talked about Sunday how our heart needs to be in worship. Our heart needs to be in everything we do is unto the Lord. Amen? Verse 19, we're almost done. We're supposed to pursue things that bring peace and edification. This is the very purpose for believers being on earth, to bring peace to men and to build them up. That's what the church is about. The church is about building one another up in this holy faith. Amen? It's why we're reminded in Romans 12 and 18, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Hebrews 12 and 14, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Let all things be done unto edifying. We need to edify or build one another up, not criticize them. Verse 20, We're also told not to destroy or ruin the work of God in another person's life. It is sin to do so. A person, child, or adult is far more important than having the right to eat and drink certain things and to attend and participate in certain uh, activities. It's why Jesus warned in Mark and Matthew 8 and 18 and 6, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he was drowned in the depths of the sea. Galatians 5.13, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty, but use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve 
one another. In addition, we're told to do nothing in verse 21, to cause a brother to stumble. Note how clearly Scripture speaks. Food, drink, nothing is worth causing a brother, a child, or adult to stumble. What is right for one may be the downfall or another. For men do influence children and others. The fact is not debatable. The weak person, whether child or adult, may may do something because everybody else is doing it. They may do it because they see you doing it. We don't want to put that stumbling block in front of another. Romans 15 and 1. We'll talk about this next week. But he kind of sums all this teaching up with verse number 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. We're supposed to try to please the Lord. Amen? 1 Corinthians 9 and 22. Paul, conce- Paul said, To the weak I became weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by some means save some. And then finally, we wrap things up with this. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to watch. Do not condemn yourself. There are three ways a believer can keep from condemning himself. By number one, keeping the faith. Faith means the belief that a person can do a certain thing and be acceptable to God. If a believer feels free to do a certain thing, if the Holy Spirit says it's okay, have the faith that it's okay. But don't do it in a way that would be a stumbling block to others. Okay? So let's use wisdom. Secondly, by not going against his conscience. Guys, the conscience, your conscience is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay? That conscience that says, John, you ought not do this. Or maybe you should do this a different way. Listen to that. That's the Holy Spirit in you. He's trying to guide you. He's trying to teach you. Obey Him. And then finally, we ultimately need to make all actions based upon faith. From a conviction that God approves this activity. If there's any question, note how clearly and forcibly Scripture says, whatsoever is not of faith is what? Sin. If a believer cannot eat, drink, and do the thing in faith, knowing it's acceptable to God, then doing it for you is a sin. Consider what the scriptures say, Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is the what? Rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In addition, I love James. Or James just kind of keeps it real, don't he? James 4 and 17, kind of the catch-all right here. James 4 and 17, Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him, that's sin. Ooh, <laughs> that one kind of gets all of us, huh? You ever, you ever felt that you needed to do something and you didn't? Guess what that is? That's sin. That's missing the mark, okay? We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to let the, the, the Word of God be our God, and we need to let the Spirit of God be our God in all Christian issues. Amen? Let's pray today that the Lord would help us. Lord, we need your help. God, this is not a laundry list of do's and don'ts. We simply need your Holy Spirit to be our God. Lord, for those of us that are maybe struggling with a certain area, I just pray right now that you would illuminate that for us, Lord. As we're studying the Word, show us something in the Word that would give us confirmation that it's okay or would give us confirmation that it's not okay. Holy Spirit, just speak to us. And Lord, I pray right now that you would forgive us. Forgive me for for maybe creating a stumbling block in the past, for maybe saying something I shouldn't have said or doing something I shouldn't have done. Forgive me, Lord God, for ever creating a stumbling block for some young believer. And Lord, I pray from this day forward that this church would God be known as a place that, that young believers are accepted, 
They're built up in this most holy faith. Help us, Lord God, not to judge them, but help us to judge ourselves. Help us to judge our motives. Help us to make sure, Lord God, that everything we say, everything we do brings glory and honor unto you. Lord, I pray right now that you would help us in this area of of our Christian walk and in every area of our Christian walk. And I thank you right now, Lord God, if there's something that that your Holy Spirit has convicted us of, 1 John 1 and 9 is the remedy. If we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for searching our hearts, for forgiving us when we ask, and for helping us to be your hands and feet extended as we, we spread this gospel, as we spread the good news to this amazing community that you've given us an opportunity to reach. Lord, bless these people. Strengthen our faith. Help us to do everything we do as unto you. Do it in faith. And God, we're going to trust you to work everything else out. Touch us tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody would say, amen and amen.